This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Today is a Kingdom Builder Sunday at Christian Chapel. In just a moment, we're going to get to hear from Stephen and Bailey Kurt. If you're unfamiliar with Kingdom Builders, it is how we support what God is doing all around the world in our local community and also in uh, Next Generation Ministry. Through your Kingdom Builders giving this year, we're on pace to give away over $450,000 uh, to participate with what God is doing all over the world. Um, that includes in our global Kingdom Builders arm, supporting over 50 missionaries and ministries working in 30 nations around the world. And of those 50, Stephen and Bailey Kurt are one. We have a long relationship with Stephen and Bailey and the work that they're doing in East Africa. Over the last three years, especially, we have partnered with them to build churches in Burundi. Burundi is a, a small nation in the heart of Africa where God is doing an incredible work through a church planting movement with the Burundi Assemblies of God. Stephen and Bailey have helped build a church planting school there. They have helped train a group of church leaders every year, anywhere from 25 to 40 church leaders. Once they graduate church planting school, they serve an internship in an established church, and then they are sent out throughout Burundi to start churches. Burundi is one of the poorest nations in the world, which means that the majority of people travel by foot or occasionally by bicycle. That means that the Burundi Assemblies of God uh, has developed a vision to provide a life-giving, spirit-empowered, Jesus-glorifying church within walking distance of every Burundian. So there's an incredible need for church planters in villages, in the mountains, in the cities, all over Burundi. And Stephen and Bailey have been able to partner with that. About three years ago, Stephen came and uh, talked with us about an opportunity for us to help these church planters. They're sent out. They start their churches in villages, communities, cities around Burundi. And then we come along, and for $6,000, we're able to purchase a plot of land, build a brick building with a tin roof, and give that uh, completely debt-free to a local congregation. From there, the church finishes out as they are able to, but it provides them with a sense of permanence, a sense of respectability in the local community. What we have seen over the last three years is that each time a new church plant receives their building, they grow by an average of 75 to 100 new believers within the first couple months that they are in that building. It's an incredible work of God. This last October, I was able to travel to Burundi with Stephen and Bailey. Uh, over the last three years, we've built about 35 churches in Burundi. I was able to visit about a third of those. And it was just so wonderful to see they are being led by spirit-empowered men and women who have been trained, who are doing the very best they can to reach their communities. They're not only reaching their communities. Many of those churches are now launching out new church planters who are going into other surrounding communities to expand the gospel at an even faster rate. Uh, it was really, really a great trip. Stephen's going to share some stories from it this morning, some of the pastors that we met. But I'm going to invite Stephen and Bailey to come up with us. And if you will help me welcome them as they come, they're going to share with us. Good morning, Christian Chapel. Wow, it's good to be back with you guys again. You are the best looking group of people at 7806 East 76th Street that I've seen since at least April, which was the last time I was here. And if you don't know, that is the address of the church here. Some people look at me like, 7806, that's where Christian and Chapel you know that is located. Because yeah. you lived I used to live across the street at 7807, so it kind of stuck in my mind. All right. Anyway, we are so glad to be back with you guys again. And thank you so much for having a heart 
for kingdom builders and being a part of what God's doing all over the world. Yeah, we're so grateful. We just are one representation of what you guys do. We're so grateful you guys have a heart for his kingdom. And thank you for letting your pastor come overseas. We've already thanked, obviously, Pastor Angie and the kids. But it was so great to have a piece of the Christian Chapel family there with us. Like Pastor Chris just said, you guys have been responsible for You've been responsible for it, okay? You're at fault for putting in 35 different churches across the nation of Burundi. Steve will get to show you a map today that'll show a little bit uh, tangible of where those locations are. And it was just so great to have a piece of you guys with us. Thank you for believing in the vision. It's incredible what God is doing, and we're so grateful that you're a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. You want to tell us about Kibibi? Yeah, absolutely. If you don't know about my artisan company that I run, um, we have a fair trade empowerment program where I work and design different things with artisans in Kenya primarily. And then we reinvest the proceeds back into projects that we're already working with, with women and kids in East Africa. So it's sale weekend, right? All the ladies know Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday. Husbands, I apologize in <laughs> advance. <laughs> They've already been buying things online. Um, but we have a big sale out there. It's better than anything I have online. The baskets are all half off, which you can't get online. And then most of the other items, different clutches, different purses, they're all full grain leather. They're going to be 30% off. We've got some $10 earrings. All of our new backpacks are in. They're pretty cool. Steven now has become a bag bag person. He knows. I he married knows the different. African bag lady. What can I say? <laughs> well, he's got a great word this morning, so I'm going to get out of the way. And if it's all right, I would love to pray for us this morning. Jesus, we just thank you that we get to be in your presence this morning. Thank you, Lord. I love that last song we sang where we said, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. What a beautiful name. And what an honor, what a privilege to be able to publicly proclaim the name of Jesus this morning. We don't want to take it for granted that we get to assemble here at Christian Chapel or even online if you're watching from home. And that we have the freedom to worship you freely in this place, Jesus. We want to remember the persecuted church this morning. We want to remember the brothers and sisters around the world who are sacrificing so much for that holy and precious name. We just speak your strength. We speak your boldness this morning over them. And we just remember the church in Burundi this morning, yes, that, that you would continue to be glorified, that you'd bring unity to the churches, that your Holy Spirit would continue to move on believers and, and draw people unto you, that the church would continue to expand, that, that demons would be cast out, that minds would be set free, that people would be restored and find freedom in your name, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. We honor you. We love you. We ask that you would stir our hearts for missions this morning, that we would live more missionally, that we would live more united with your spirit. You, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 We are going to go straight to uh, God's word this morning. How many of you know that we've been on a series uh, on the Holy Spirit? Like five of us, we've been on a series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, Pastor Chris has just been preaching some tremendous messages. He's gone a little bit long, but he did come back from Burundi, and in Burundi we go long, so you can uh, blame me. So, But because he's been going long, I'm probably going to go about an hour today. Is that okay? I'm joking. Okay, it's a joke. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, a very familiar passage of Scripture on this idea of uh, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they came together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
Jesus says to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my, say that next word with me, witnesses. witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This morning, I'd like to talk to you along the lines of the Holy Spirit and mission, the Holy Spirit and mission. I know for some of us, that's not deep enough, not intellectual enough, so I came up with a secondary academic title of Pneumatological Paradigms for Pneumatic and Ecclesiastical Missional Engagement. <laughs> but that's probably too deep from where we want to go. Some of you are like, you preached that one last year. No, I didn't. I actually looked up last year's title. It was Missiological Impetus for Eschatological Momentum and Ecclesiastical Expansion. While similar, they're entirely different, I assure you, all right? <clears throat> are we okay with the Holy Spirit and missions? All right, I didn't want to preach the other one anyways. That was for first service. I love uh, Pastor Chris. He's one of my great friends, and over the years, he's told me many stories about missions and mission trips and how he's gone to India and hiked all these mountains, and I've always known that he's a very missional person, but there was always a question in the back of my mind, could he survive the rigors of the beds of Burundi? Yeah, the beds of Burundi are a little bit challenging, and I remember it was the second or third uh, morning when he was in Burundi, he came to breakfast, and I noticed his arm was kind of like limp next to him, and he said that he woke up in the middle of the night, and he said, I either thought that I'd had a stroke, or the, the beds are just that hard that my, numb, my arm went completely numb. <laughs> Amazingly, he not only survived, but he brought a Burundian mattress back to the U.S. for his guest room. No, just kidding. He didn't do that part. <clears throat> but when it comes to missions, it seems like there are steps and processes that the Holy Spirit has to take us through in order to prepare us to make us equal to the task of expanding the kingdom in the world that we live in. I came across this quote that I think so succinctly articulates what Jesus is saying here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is by Henry Martin. He was a missionary in India as well as Iran. And in 1806, he writes, and he puts it this way. He says, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of mission. And the closer you get to him, the more intensely missionary you will become. Now, Martin's quote raises an interesting consideration that I think Jesus is trying to communicate in Acts chapter 1. Namely, Exposure to the Holy Spirit has one sure evidence. You will become more missionally minded and more missionally motivated. Now, in one branch of the church in our generation, we've ex associated exposure to the Holy Spirit with spectacle and hype and show. And in another branch of the church, we avoid exposure completely, seeing the Holy Spirit as the redheaded stepchild in the family of God. No offense to the redheads in the room, especially my redheaded wife. Okay, I see you over there. And I think what Martin is saying is he's only echoing what Jesus clearly promises. And Jesus seems to be arguing in favor of the idea that the Holy Spirit doesn't come to be manipulated any more than he comes to be mitigated. Rather, the Holy Spirit's primary assignment is empowerment for mission. Now, here's the question that I've been chewing on for a couple of months. The question is this, are there degrees or levels of being a missionary? What I mean is that oftentimes when I stand in front of a group of people and I tell them that I'm a missionary, people's minds immediately disassociate thinking something along the lines, well, I don't cross cultures, I'm not really engaged in any kind of cross-cultural activity, therefore I am not a missionary. And I think what Martin and Jesus are both saying is that missionary is not measured by a title, 
It's not measured by a planned missions trip or even a love for travel or interaction with other cultures. As much as missionary is measured by surrender and intimacy with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. I like this idea because it moves missionary out of a religious function or professional office of the church and into a functional category of discipleship, which is how Jesus intended. This means that one of the key elements of becoming like Jesus is your and my maturity as missional believers, and the only way this is going to happen is by consistent exposure and ongoing relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I'd like to ask this question as we begin to unpack this idea of the Holy Spirit and missions. And the question is, what does the Spirit's power and presence actually accomplish in our lives? Okay, what does the Holy Spirit's power and presence accomplish in our lives? And how does the Holy Spirit make us more missional? And to answer this question, I'm going to take stories from Burundi, and I'm also going to use the four geographical destinations that Jesus identifies that the witnesses will go to, and a lot of words that start with the letter P, all right? So now you know where we're going with Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the first thought that came to me in answering this question is that in making us missional, the Spirit intensifies persuasion. The Spirit intensifies persuasion. Now, obviously, in Acts chapter 1-8, it's very clear. I had you say the word witness. It's this idea of communicating what Jesus has done in and through your life. It's this idea of evangelism. Some Bible scholars estimate that at the time of that Acts is being written by Luke, the population of Jerusalem is somewhere between 50 and 60,000 people, all right? And that the church at that point in Jerusalem was somewhere between 20 and 25,000 people. So right away, you can see this picture picture of the early church being a megachurch. The early church had influenced and become so persuasive within the city of Jerusalem that more than 50% of the population had responded to the claims of who Christ is. And I would suggest this morning, in order for the church to have that kind of impact on a local city, the church has to have some kind of supernatural power source, and the supernatural power source makes the church incredibly persuasive. Over the last year since I last stood on this platform and preached about Burundi here at Christian Chapel, you guys have helped us put in 20 new churches in that nation. These are places like Bugenyuzi, Rumendari, Mutambara, Gatwe, Mibonobono, name them. I mean, keeping track of them, sometimes I feel like I'm praying in tongues just trying to write all the names out, right? And what we've seen time and time again is that through persuasive evangelism, the local church has a direct and immediate impact where 70 to 100 people come to know Jesus as soon as the local church goes in. What does that translate to in real numbers? Well, that means that somewhere between 1,400 and 2,000 people put their faith in Jesus last year in the nation of Burundi because of Christian Chapel helping to put in local churches all over that country. That's an amazing stat, but I think that it's kind of abstract. So I decided to identify three stories of the 1,400 people to give you a little bit of a visualization of what the Spirit is actually doing in terms of making the gospel persuasive. So the first story I'd like to share with you is from northeastern Burundi. This is a young lady by the name of Florin. 
Florin grew up in abject poverty. Because of so much poverty, she ended up in a lifestyle of prostitution. For 13 years, she sold her body to try and earn enough money to pay the bills. Her family became so disgusted with her that they kicked her out of the home. She fled to Tanzania as a refugee before coming back to Burundi and living in Bujumbura. As she moved home somewhere around 2021, a local church was being planted that Christian Chapel had helped to pay for, and the local church church planting pastor befriended her and began to share Jesus with her. As they began to exchange stories and backgrounds, he had the opportunity to point her to the one who could satisfy every longing and every need inside of her. She responded, gave her life to Jesus, and today she's one of the most exuberant worshipers that I've ever seen. That's her with her hands about to clap and jump up and down because of what Jesus has done in her life. The second story comes from central Burundi. This is a lady by the name of Marin. Marin grew up as a Muslim, never hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Furthermore, she was possessed by an evil spirit from as long as she can remember. When the new church went in, she started asking many questions to the local church planter. God used the pastor to share Jesus with her, and during prayer, as she received Christ, he was able to lay hands on her and cast the evil spirit out of her. It was quickly discovered that she had never owned a Bible in her entire life, so the church planter asked us, could you help us find a Bible to put into her hands? I'll never forget that day as we were able to put the Bible in Kirundi in her hands. And she told us, I never had the chance to go to school. We were just too poor. But now that I have the Bible, I am going to teach myself to read and write using God's word. Number three is this story of Thomas. Thomas grew up in southeastern Burundi in a place called Ruvyagira. As he grew up, he quickly experienced the challenges of life. And so he turned towards alcohol and quickly became an alcoholic. He says by his own admission, he was always fighting with his wife and even became physically abusive. During the construction of the local church, Pastor Alexei, the church planter in Yuruvyagira, befriended him and invited him to a meal in his house. As they began to exchange stories and backgrounds, he said, could I come back again and have a meal with you later on in a couple of weeks? And Pastor Alexei said, of course you can. Through the course of several weeks, he ended up giving his life to Christ. He now has been discipled in this local church. And today, when Pastor Alexei is away traveling, he's the one who stands up and leads the service and even preaches sometimes. I love these stories, and it's just three of the 1,400 that we could share today because it illustrates this fact that the Holy Spirit's primary role in the life of a believer is to make you persuasive, is to make your lifestyle convincing, is to point to a lost and hurting world and inform and communicate in such a way that they can't resist that Jesus is still alive and he has done something significant in and through your life. The power of persuasion. Secondly, in making us missional, I believe that the Spirit eliminates prejudice. The Spirit eliminates prejudice. And I would correlate this to the idea of Samaria. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to lay aside our prejudices. Now, Pastor Chris has already done a great job preaching on Samaria in one of his messages during this series. But Samaria is, for the Jewish uh, believer, a no-go zone. In fact, when Jesus is delivering this particular instruction, he says, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. You're going to be my witness in Jerusalem. They're like, yeah, we like Jerusalem. Who doesn't like Jerusalem, right? We even take tours to the Holy Land because Christians love Jerusalem, right? And then he's like, and you're going to be my witness in Judea. And they're like, yeah, 
maybe, maybe we'll get to Judea. And then Jesus drops the bomb, right? He's like, and you will go to Samaria. And they're like, Samaria, you have to be kidding me. We will never go to Samaria. In fact, in the gospel of John, at one point, John looks at Jesus and says, if you want me to, I'll call down fire on these heathen Samaritans because they are, they're, they're, they're half caste. They're, they're almost less than human, right? And you get this picture very quickly that Jesus and the role of the Holy Spirit is to start dealing with the prejudices that may be in each of our lives. Whether we admit it or not, I think we all face prejudices that Jesus is actively starting to deal with so that we can become more persuasive witnesses for who Jesus is in our generation. Obviously, when we say prejudice, we can be talking about racism, we can be talking about gender issues, we can be talking about social status or linguistic background. At some point, though, there has to be this moment when we come and we open our hearts up and lay everything on the table. And let's be honest, in our generation, a lot of the prejudice stems from offense. And I think offense is the enemy's primary tactic that he wants to use in this generation to convince us that we're victims. Because if he can convince us that we're victims, victims will miss out on being able to play the role of a persuasive witness in the kingdom of God. Instead, he comes and reminds us and shows us that the gospel is not about victimhood. The gospel is about becoming a victor in Christ Jesus, overcoming the offense, stepping past the prejudice, and allowing God to do something powerful through our lives for the glory of his name. Last year, this time, I told you about the story of Pastor Celestin. Pastor Celestin is one of our church planters in a place called Nyangungu, Burundi. Pastor Chris got to meet him on this last trip. For those of you that won't, weren't here, I'll bring you up to speed on his story very quickly. During the last major political escalation, he fled across the border into Tanzania. He's in a refugee camp. He's complaining. He's saying, God, where are you? Our country's going through tribulation and trial again. My family's scattered. And the Lord begins to deal with him and says, stop. I still have a purpose and a plan. I want you to go back to Burundi and I want you to plant a church. Through a series of events, he ends up in Bujumbura at our church planning school in 2020, right in the middle of COVID. Anybody ever heard of COVID? Okay, just a few of us. And not exactly the best time to go through church planning school. He moves back to Nyangungu after completing church planning school and begins to share Jesus. What I forgot to tell you about the story is that Pastor Celestin is actually from the Batwa tribe. There are three tribes in Burundi, the Hutu, the Tutsi, and the Batwa. As of 20 years ago, there was not a single known Batwa Christian in the nation of Burundi. They are marginalized. When you talk about Burundi, Burundians are prejudiced against the Batwa, against the Pygmy people. Yet, as we started having this heart for church planting, the leaders that are there on the ground, the Holy Spirit began to challenge them and say, we have to do something to reach this community. It was beautiful on my 42nd birthday, November 7th, 2021, as I I got to stand in front of Pastor Celestin's congregation and preach to over 200 Batois who have now come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, right? Beautiful picture. This next picture here, as Pastor Chris was with us, we got to go to two of the other congregations that have now been started among uh, the Batois people. Go, go to this next slide. This is really awesome because Chris and I are like towering like over these guys, right? And Pastor Pierre was just so excited that we got to come visit him. He told us we weren't there on a Sunday. We were there on a Saturday. But he told us on Sunday morning, you can't find a seat. The Batois are coming. Some of them are walking from up to five kilometers away to have the opportunity to hear about the gospel. 
Christian Chapel, what really excites me so much about this story is just this beautiful idea that you have helped to reach an unreached people group in Central Africa because of your faithfulness and diligence in being willing to raise money to plant churches in places that you may never go to. You may never go to Ruhororo and Bugendana and Yangungu, but I promise you that Jesus is doing a significant work as people surrender their prejudice and say, Holy Spirit, we are willing to cooperate with what you want to do in and through our lives. So he said in making us missional, he makes us more persuasive. He also, what was number two? Somebody help me. Make sure you're listening. Eliminates prejudice. All right, thank you. And then number three, in making us missional, the Spirit helps us surrender our preference. Okay, and I think this is the idea of Judea. Um, I love this passage of scripture because Jesus is talking kingdom. I love when Jesus talks kingdom because you know that it's going to be good, right? And so he's hanging out with the 12 and he's telling them, okay, or the 11 actually, he's telling them, this is, this is, this is what the kingdom is going to look like. The kingdom is going to look like taking the gospel. You're going to cross cross-cultural borders. You're going into places where there may be some hostility, but through Jesus's love and grace, my love and grace, the kingdom's going to come to pass. And they're sitting there and they go, kingdom, yeah, kingdom, we like kingdom. You mean you're going to make Israel a great political entity again? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You're not getting it. Kingdom, we're going to reach the nations with my love. and my, Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be the prime minister sitting at your right hand. And Thomas over there is going to become, you know, one of the ministry of foreign affairs. And you just see very quickly this myopic tunnel vision where they aren't quite understanding that Jesus isn't talking about nationalism. Jesus is talking about the global expansion of his kingdom that is prophesied and destined to influence all of planet earth, right? And I love this idea of preference because preference is so natural and normal to every human being, right? Preference says, hey, I'd rather just be more comfortable. Preference says, it's easier if I just do it my way. Preference says, less sacrifice on my part. Preference says, I don't really want to listen to your story. I want to do all the talking. Preference says, I don't want to know about your pain and perspective. I'd rather offer my pain and perspective, right? And the Holy Spirit challenges us to let all of it go and embrace the kingdom. My favorite story to illustrate uh, preference uh, is this idea. It's one of my buddies, actually. He was a missionary in Ethiopia, and so he decided that they needed to teach the people there how to sing his favorite song. His favorite song was Israel Houghton's, I am a friend of God. I am a friend. Anyone ever heard that song before? Okay, thank you, three of us. <laughs> and so he, um, he teaches it to the worship team, and on Sunday morning, the worship team stands up, and they start leading. And everyone in the church stands up, and they belt it out in their best English, and they sing, I am afraid of God. I am afraid of God. He calls me Fred. Okay? So sometimes with our preference, you may end up being called Fred instead of friend, and you may become afraid of God instead of a friend of God, right? I think it's so important that we remember that it is preference is often conditioned by our culture, right? So Americans think Jesus can only move when we've planned out every moment of the service with a strategic plan behind it, and it can never go longer than an hour and a half. And yet my African friends who are in the room know that if the service, I see you, if the service doesn't go at least two and a half hours long, God hasn't really moved, 
And if people aren't walking around praying in tongues at the top of their voice, was it really a move of God? I'm not sure. And for the Hispanics in the room, if someone's not walking around going, fuego, 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 and people are falling on the floor, then probably it really wasn't a significant move of God, right? And the Holy Spirit comes and reminds all of us that our cultural background and preferences are not wrong, but they must always submit to the will of King Jesus and to the benefit of our brothers and sisters from different backgrounds. In churches like Christian Chapel where Jesus is doing something significant and he's assembling the nations in this place, you can always be sure that there is a reason and a purpose behind it. It's because in this hour of global history that we're living in, it's going to require the participation of every people, every language, every tribe, because every ethnic group has their own particular spiritual distinctive. And only together as we lock arms with our Fuego, Fuego, Fuego brothers and our Africans who are wandering around praying in tongues at the top of their lungs, will we be able to get the job done for God's glory? I love the story of Pastor Bosco in Makebuko. Pastor Chris and I got to preach there on Sunday morning, and so I asked him if he could share his story with me and how it might relate to preference. And he told me that he was a civil engineer who has a uh, college degree, which in Burundi, because there's not many educational opportunities, that's like a doctorate, all right? So this guy's like on a very high social uh, level in Burundi. And in his local church, Pastor Jerome, I've talked about him before. He's the uh, general superintendent of the Burundi Assemblies of God. He begins to talk about church planting and God begins to deal with Bosco. And God begins to tell him, I want you to do something in Makebuko, which is 17 miles down the road. Now, 17 miles doesn't sound far to you and me, but in Burundi, the normal means of transportation is either bicycle or walking. So 17 miles is quite a distance. And more than that, Makebuko is a place that is full of witchcraft. People are illiterate. There were lots of pygmies in that area. And so he's having to wrestle with my preference of staying in comfortable Gitega, the new capital of Burundi, or do I start walking and taking bicycles down the road to Makebuko? As he's engaging this community, as he's saying yes, taking the initial steps, suddenly and shockingly, his wife passes away. And so now he's in tragedy. He's in this place of just struggling. And God raises up another young lady in the church after a couple of years whose name is Elise. And Pastor Bosco tells her, if you're going to join me in marriage and be my life partner, I need you to go to church planting school. <laughs> How's that for a requirement for dating, right? And so Elise goes to church planting school, his new wife. And while she's there, God calls her to be an evangelist. And so he told me, he said, it's so awesome. When we officially launched the church in 2021, and they're now running 72 people. He said, I just let my wife do all the preaching because she's so gifted and so anointed and she becomes such an evangelist, right? And I love this beautiful picture of what it looks like when we lay our preferences to the side and we let somebody else begin to go into what God has called them to do, right? And in such a beautiful story because they also have plans to plant two new churches this next year that I'm hoping that Christian Chapel will have a direct um, involvement in in reaching this particular area of Burundi. In making us missional, we said that the Spirit does many things. There's this idea of persuasion, prejudice, preference. But in making us missional, the Spirit also clarifies the purpose, which I think correlates to the ends of the world. And within the purpose of the Spirit, how many of you know the, the, the Holy Spirit has a purpose, right? Within the purpose of the Spirit, I think there's a word that we have to bring out, and that word is strategy. Did you know the Holy Spirit has a strategy for reaching the nations? And I would stand before you today and suggest that the number one way that the Holy Spirit still 
uses to reach the nations of the world is through the local church. When you study the New Testament, you will see so many times when the apostles go into a new area, immediately they are trying to establish a new core of believers so that they can start a healthy local church. Notice I didn't say perfect, I said healthy. Christian chapel is not perfect. If you look around hard enough, you can probably find something to point your finger at, but I do believe Christian chapel is healthy. And what Jesus is speaking to his bride in this hour is it's time to stop criticizing the church for what they're not and start focusing on edifying what the church really is. And at the end of the day, you're the church and I'm the church. And if we aren't representing Jesus healthfully, if we aren't representing in Jesus in a way that is persuasive, then the problem isn't within the four walls of this building. The problem may be within the four walls of our hearts. And so he's clarifying the purpose here. And Bailey and I like to say it this way. You've heard me say this before. But the whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole world, the whole gospel to the whole world, right? The whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. And we think that the best way that this happens is through church planting. And so you're going to see this map on the screen behind me. And to me, this is one of the most significant slides I could show you. Let me explain why. Because that slide took me about two hours to put it together with Bailey's help. You'll see 36 little white dots that are corresponding to churches. These are the 36 churches that in the last three years, Christian Chapel has helped us plant in the nation of Burundi. And what is significant about this to me is these represent 36 cities and villages where there was not a healthy church. Christian Chapel has helped put churches in 10 of the 18 provinces in the nation of Burundi. I already told you the stats for salvations, but we looked up the stats for baptism. Since I was on this platform last November, 1,346 people in the nation of Burundi have not only put their faith in Jesus, they have decided to take the next step of discipleship, which looks like being baptized. Christian Chapel, that's awesome. And on behalf of the Burundi AG, on behalf of Bailey and myself, all I can say is thank you so much for having generosity in your hearts and a vision that is clear that says that we understand that the purpose of spirit baptism and empowerment isn't just to jump up and down for joy. It's to be on mission so that God's name can be glorified and Jesus can transform people's lives in our generation. The Spirit makes us missional, and being missional means intensifying persuasion in our witness. It means the elimination of prejudice, the surrendering of preference, the clarifying of purpose. But I think there's one last thing that we have to bring out in this message today. And you know that when I share, because I'm a missionary from Africa, and I say one last final thing, it doesn't mean anything, right? All right, just making sure we're all on the same, board, uh, same picture here. Jesus says, you will receive power. And so I would like to suggest today that the Holy Spirit makes us missional by releasing power in our lives. Now, in April, I shared this story when we were talking about the Holy Spirit, but you'll see this next slide with Pastor Jerome and myself. He's one of my best friends. You see, he's the general superintendent of the AG in Burundi, and you see we both take our jobs very seriously, right? And I love this brother because he has such a heart to reach lost people. When we helped him plant the church in early 2009, I had no idea that one day it would become one of the most significant churches in the nation of Burundi. 
In the last 13 years, they have seen more than 14 churches planted as a result of this church. And the way that they did this was through miracles. They believed that the word of God must be confirmed in such a way that an unbelieving, hurting world would look and see and say, your Jesus is alive and your Jesus is real. And so they started praying for miracles and God started doing so many miracles that they changed the name of the church to ICMC, International Christian Miracle Center. Three weeks ago, I sat down with them and I said, Pastor Jerome, would you just tell me some stories about some of the miracles? I, I knew some of them, but I wanted to hear them again. And so he just started sharing. And for an hour, as he's talking in French and Kirundi, telling me these different stories, my spirit is just like coming alive inside of me with what Jesus is still doing in our generation. And I don't know how to captivate that moment and share it with you today, except to tell you one of the stories, which I think will articulate this idea of the Holy Spirit releasing power. A young woman starts coming to church on Sunday morning, ICMC. A few months later, no one knows where she has disappeared to, including her family. They searched for her. They couldn't find her. Finally, after several months, they find out that she had eloped and entered into a Muslim marriage. Another several months go by, and one day, Pastor Jerome's cell phone rings. It's this young lady. She's on the other end of the phone, and she's desperate. She says, Pastor, I need your help. He said, what's going on? She says, my husband has fallen deathly ill and he will probably die in the next few days. She says, we've tried everything we know how to do. We called the sheikhs, that's like an Islamic holy man. We called the imams. We tried to cast out the jinn, the evil spirits in Islam. We did everything we knew how to do. We even went to the witch doctors. We even went and got some special medicines that we thought would help and nothing's working. And to make matters worse, he's not only sick and about to die, but I just got sick as well. So I looked at Pastor Jerome. I said, what did you do? He goes, well, I, I asked her, could I just come over and pray with them, with my wife? And I'm expecting, you know, like some, you know, if it was me and I'm like going to go pray. I'm like, oh, Jesus, uh, well, uh, you know, how do you? And he said, I just walked in, laid my hands on her and said, Jesus, would you do what you promised to do? And would you heal this man? The next day he gets a call. He's completely and totally well. And so the Muslim husband decides he wants to start going to International Christian Miracle Center. And so they show up on a Sunday morning. He gives his life to Christ. The wife rededicates her life to Jesus. I got to preach at ICMC in July of this last year. And while I was on stage, Bishop Pastor Jerome looks at me and he goes, you see that couple over there? They were Muslim. See a couple over there? They were Muslim. See that couple back there? They used to be Muslim. I said, how did all this happen? He said, it was through this one story that I just told you about. The Holy Spirit comes to release power in and through our lives. Did you know in this passage of scripture, when Jesus says, you will receive power from on high, the Greek word is lambeno. In 2020, during the lockdown, I went back and got my MDiv and I had to learn Greek in order to do that. And I discovered something interesting. The Greek word lambeno has two meanings in English. It can mean either you take or you receive. So in Acts 1, eight, it's translated as you will receive power, but in other places it can be used as you will take power. I asked Pastor Jerome, Pastor Jerome, how is it that every time you pray for people, there's so many miracles? And he said this, we stopped asking God to do what he had already promised to do. And we started believing that God would do what he had already promised to do. Can I say that again? We stopped asking God to do what he had already promised to do. And we started believing that God would do what he had already promised to do. Lambeno, not just receiving, but taking. There's this place in our walk with Jesus where you become so sure and so convinced of what Jesus has promised and what his character really means that you no longer have to say, oh, if only you would fill me with your spirit. No, Jesus says you will be clothed with 
power from on high. And my prayer today would be that some of us who have sat through this whole series, you've heard the various teachings. Dr. Wilson's message was amazing. I got to watch that as well, that you would stop saying, oh, if only you would do something for poor me. And a faith would rise up inside of you that says, you promised and therefore I'm going to step into this dimension of power being released in and through my life that I will be a persuasive witness whether I'm in Timbuktu or right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Christian Chapel, we love you guys. We are so thankful for your generosity and your heart for his heart for the kingdom and kingdom builders. Thank you for what you have helped us accomplish in Burundi. My heart is just so full today. Would you stand with me this morning as we close out in prayer? Jesus, we, we are so grateful for your word. We are grateful for what you're doing in this place. We're grateful, Lord, for how you're working and how you have led us even to this moment. Lord, thank you for the word that has been shared this morning, that Pastor Chris has shared, that Dr. Wilson shared. Lord, you are preparing this place for something incredible in the days ahead. And Lord, I just pray over every single person standing here, there are those that are watching online. And Lord, my prayer would be that you would release power. You would fill your people again with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that we would be dynamic and persuasive witnesses in the hour and generation that we live in. If you're okay with it, would you just lift your hands with me this morning, just as an act of surrender that says, Lord, we see your promises and we want to receive them. We want everything that you have for us. And so Jesus, this morning, <laughs> I just pray specifically, I feel like there's some that are wrestling with offense. Lord, I pray today that this would be the moment of saying that we embrace forgiveness and we choose to lay our prejudice to the side. And Lord, there could be people here that they've had their own personal preferences in place. And Lord, this moment we respond to the spirit and we say that we, we will lay aside our personal preferences so that the name of Jesus can be glorified. And Lord, we need that persuasive and compelling witness and testimony. Would you? Fill us with that power that only you can provide. And Lord, finally, we're just asking for power, empowerment from on high, empowerment for the young, empowerment for the old, empowerment for those, Lord, who have traveled thousands of miles to be here for school and empowerment for those who grew up in Tulsa. Empowerment because we are the body of Christ. Empowerment because we are the people of God. Empowerment because we are the church of Jesus Christ in this hour. And there isn't a backup plan. There's not another group somewhere else, but we are the church and we have been commissioned with this holy mission. And so to do that, we are going to need a full measure of the power power of the spirit. And so Lord, my prayer and my request is that you would saturate, you would soak, Lord, you would empower every single individual for the glory and honor of our savior, that Jesus would be greatly glorified in and through our lives. And we pray this in Jesus name. And if you're in agreement with me, would you say, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.